0: Hey everyone, I'm Rod Roddenberry, and you're listening to Trek FM. Hello, and welcome to Season 2, Episode 24 of Commentary Trek Stars, a show which deals with the work of Star Trek creators outside of Star Trek. I'm Mike. I'm Max. And today is part six in our series on Ronald D. Moore as a showrunner, where we will be looking at his fifth show, Virtuality. So Virtuality isn't really a show so much as a pilot. It lasted all of one episode, and even one feature-length episode, episode and even when it aired, it was uh, not thought to be picked up. It was always kind of a case of, you know, the, the network was like, this is a pilot which doesn't work for us, and yet we could air it as a feature-length movie, and hey, if the ratings are through the roof, we can always go to series with it, but yeah, we prob- know... a probationary pilot. Right, but we know the, the ratings won't be through the roof, and the ratings weren't through the roof, and yeah. in the end, all that exists is one 90-minute uh, movie.
1: Rarely does anything ever go to air without having been green light as a series.
0: Yeah, right. So this show aired in 2009 after the Caprica pilot, but before Caprica the series had aired. You know, just kind of looking at the timeline, it seems pretty clear that Ron Moore had been working on this and Caprica simultaneously, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and also if you kind of look at that Battlestar Galactica writing staff, he took his two top writers and put them each with a a different project. Caprica, he was doing with Jane Espenson and uh, virtuality he was doing with, with Michael Taylor. And uh, I think it's quite likely that if the show had gone to series, Taylor would have been the showrunner on Virtuality, just like Espenson was the showrunner on Caprica. In fact, it was co-created by Moore and Taylor, and they co-wrote the story, but Taylor is the one who actually wrote the script for Virtuality. The show takes place in the future. The world only has about 100 years left before not, it becomes...
1: The not distant future.
0: The not tremendously distant future. But, and
1: we don't know that for certain, what you but,
0: just said. Oh, we don't know for certain that the world has 100 years left, but that, that seems to be the fear. and Or maybe, uh, maybe it's unjustified, maybe it's something which has been planted by people who have other interests. We don't know. But the common belief is that the, the world only has 100 years left in it before it becomes inhabitable. So a team of scientists has been sent on a 10-year mission to find a new planet for us to live on. So they're going to a new solar system to check things out.
1: No, they were just going to the nearest planet. Yeah. They weren't, like, going to find a planet to colonize. Like, they were just going there, like, like a Mars mission but or a moon mission.
0: It, but certainly in the hopes of finding a place to colonize or something. I mean, th- Or
1: something is the thing, because mm-hmm. they, there was no plan for any sort of mass exodus. There was no plan for any like no, but, large groups of people to go there.
0: But certainly the way it's presented is, Earth has 100 years left. This is humanity's last hope. They are going to the next solar system over to see what's going on with that.
1: But none of that was on the table until they'd already been going for about five years toward this planet. And their mission was purely exploration, to explore the nearest planet. There was no indication that the world was doomed. They were not looking for a planet to to send humanity to. They were not trying to save humanity. They were just exploring. And they were doing a really huge, expensive mission that was funded, not, not an insignificant amount, by essentially a reality TV show. And they have received information that the world is doomed, putting a lot of pressure on them at exactly the time when they have to go through the point of no return and keep going or turn back. A lot of the stuff that happens in this show is extremely suspect. So saying that the Earth is doomed, there's no proof of that. Saying that that they're trying to save humanity, they did not have that intention. Their intention was purely to go to the nearest planet and make a bunch of money.
0: Yes, but now that that might have changed. Now, Now they might have a new set of mission parameters Maybe it is being network-controlled. Who knows? But certainly the idea that the world only has 100 years left is on the table, and the idea... so is doubt of it. Sure, and the idea that they need to choose between either continuing on the mission or turning back, that is also on the table, and whether or not they have a chance to save humanity is something which is definitely playing into their decision.
1: Also, whether or not they can trust the information that they've received. Sure. Not just because the show immediately then goes into questioning every level of what we've been told. Yeah. Because, I mean, as viewers, we're told essentially what the people on the ship know. Mm -hmm. And what the people on the ship know is that they basically don't know anything for certain. Right. Because they're, pr- they're almost certain, they're o- almost everyone on the show is certain that they're being manipulated in some way. For example, possible, they're not on a spaceship. Like, the idea of what is real is questioned. Okay. Because yeah. they've got these virtual reality headset things. And sure. over the course of this pilot, they say, eh, there's no heads or tails here. One, maybe both of these are fake. Maybe both of them are real. Yeah. Kind of a tough call.
0: And that's the other uh, element to the the show's premise, which is there is a virtual reality program, which is used as a way of coping with long term space tra- travel, and uh, you know, originally
1: pe- developed just to keep astronauts' skills up during a long term mission. Right, and now it's you can't do like tons of tests and, in the field, but if they have a VR machine, they can do all of those tests virtually.
0: Sure, and now it's being used for rest and relaxation. It really is their one escape, their one way of getting any sort of privacy on the ship.
1: Yeah, not only like to alleviate the claustrophobia of being on a little tin can shooting through space, but also because there are surveillance cameras. Right. And at least one cameraman or woman, like all the time, monitoring everything that they do and say, it's it, pretty oppressive.
0: <laughs> It is a it's it's like Big Brother essentially. It's it's on Fox, but it's also a being filmed twenty four seven, and you can watch it on the website. Um, yeah. So so it is a reality show for sure. Now, which problem, is actually a
1: plan for a Mars mission. Okay, cool. A company called Mars One, but that is the cool. That's horrifying. Hey, that's a horrifying concept.
0: If if that's the way <laughs> that that you could you need to to fund space travel maybe that's not a bad idea
1: i gotta tell you i think combining the pressure of 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 being under a microscope and studied by the entire population of anybody who watches it and the pressures of being in freaking space for years that there's no way that does not result in a few people getting murdered okay there's no way that that like they that that program doesn't end with a, a cancellation by the FCC because a bunch of dudes got straight up shot in the face in zero G. <laughs> okay. Well, speaking of which... Which would look pretty cool.
0: Speaking of which, that that is uh, another element to this show, which is the virtual reality program which they use is malfunctioning, and it's quite possible that sabotage is the culprit. The, so that's also suspect. Well, yeah, we can talk about it, what they perceive. They
1: believe that there's that there is a a some sort of like bug in the virtual reality programs that they use, right? And but that bug doesn't seem to be localized to any particular software or hardware. So it's probably not just a bug. There's almost no way that that anything that we're talking about here would be resolved with a simple explanation as yes, it is that one thing.
0: Sure. Whether or not. The program is malfunctioning because of sabotage. It's definitely malfunctioning and creating deadly results, or potentially deadly results. Um, one character is raped. One character is shot, or a couple characters are shot.
1: Right, but it's it's shot like in a video game, where you know you might have some sort of sensory input, so but, you feel getting shot. Yeah, but it is just a game.
0: So far, but they say that you can damage your synaptic nerves if uh, this, this happens, or something along those lines. I forget the exact techno babble that they use, but essentially what they're saying is, like, it is dangerous. You know, sure. if, if it goes too far, you could die.
1: Well, it, like anything that, you know, deals with direct brain stimulation, certainly if your heart rate got way too high and it just kept going and you didn't get a chance to cool down you might have a heart attack. Mm-hmm. Certainly, like you could theoretically create like negative repercussions within your body with something like this.
0: So uh, we talked about Michael Taylor being the writer of this particular movie. He is someone who worked with Moore back on deep space nine and then on, on Battlestar Galactica. And After virtuality did not come to pass, Taylor was added to the staff of Caprica, where he was one of their top writers. He wrote a lot of episodes of Caprica. Back on Deep Space Nine, Taylor wrote four episodes, including The Visitor and In the Pale Moonlight, which are considered by a lot of people to be two of the very best episodes of the series. Um, When deep space nine ended he then joined the writing staff of voyager where he worked for the last two seasons writing uh, 20 episodes the movie or pilot or whatever you want to call it was directed by peter berg who is actually an a-list filmmaker he made the kingdom which was an excellent movie it's his best movie but he's also made uh, some rather large blockbusters like Hancock and Battleship. But but he's also worked in television. He's he's an actor, I guess, by uh, original trade. You know that's yeah. If you watch a lot, of, Hope.
1: if you watch a lot of TV in the nineties, you see him. I and remember. then and then you know saw like a behind the scenes video with him directing. You might get freaked out because it doesn't seem right. Yeah. That that dude from that show is in this movie and directing it.
0: Right. And he also directed the movie Friday Night Lights and then developed and and essentially co-created the television show, which was then taken over by Jason Katims, in which he directed the pilot for and one more episode for. And that, to me, is is his best work. And it is interesting. I think we're starting to see connections here where... Even though Ron Moore didn't have anything to do with Friday Night Lights, both here and on Caprica, he got Friday Night Lights directors to direct them, and there's uh, a lot of sort of crossover between Moore's shows and Kadam's shows. You know, here we have uh, one, one of the actresses in this uh, will go on to star in Kadam's uh, Parenthood show you never really hear about it, but I really think based on just uh, the crossover between the two people, Moore and Kadams, who of course worked on Roswell together, seem to have remained close. They have similar thought processes when it comes to uh, making shows, and 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 they often uh, hire the same types of people. Anyway, what are your thoughts on virtuality?
1: Well, I mean, you know, When we watched Battlestar Galactica, I think uh, a lot of people watched that show waiting for the the next episode, anxiously waiting to see where it was going. It was really exciting. And then it got to the end, and then I think uh, a lot of people, like me, sort of felt disappointed by the finale. And I actually felt foolish for expecting more than I got, because I really should have known that he wasn't going to have any sort of like profound revelation In the finale, I should have anticipated that. So, when I watch BSG again now, I see these really weird revelations and these these shocking moments to be rather empty and unmotivated and essentially constructed in order to be simply shocking. And there was no underlying reason for it, which is why watching virtuality is very unmoving because all of the mysteries delineated in this pilot seem completely unmotivated and like they have no underlying logic. There's no revelation that can be, that can be had here because there's no point.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think it's uh, kind of unfair to say that it's not going anywhere without seeing the rest of the show. I mean, not not saying that that isn't uh, quite possible, but I've got to think that they did have some sort of idea with uh, what they wanted to do with the show. Um, I'm actually kind of wondering how much of that was transferred over to uh, Caprica, considering the fact that that had a pretty uh, heavy virtual reality element to it as well. I can see a scenario in which taylor had a lot of ideas for virtuality and knowing that he would never be able to use them there then planted Mm -hmm. them into uh caprica and you know he came onto the show I, i don't know if it was right away but you know as the show progressed it got more and more heavy with virtual reality stuff and that was actually some of the best stuff on that show so I'm I'm wondering. I think it's it's interesting that at, you know Moore was simultaneously developing two shows, which had uh, virtual reality as a main component of them.
1: Well, that that's the kind of thing that happens, and I think that I think that's actually kind of telling, because while on Caprica we actually do have a fairly clear understanding of what the intention with the VR world was. And because he he was doing both of these shows sem- essentially simultaneously, he sort of like created both of them at the same time, it seems fairly clear that the reason you do it, you know, why, well, the reason you do this sort of VR headset thing at the same time in two different ways is because they're incompatible. You have to do one one way and another one a different way. You have two different ideas. You want to do both of them, but you can't mix them. So obviously... Virtuality was going into a different place with its VR reality, where they were not going to treat the VR world as being just as real as the real world, except in computers. They were going to do more of a Phil K. Dickian thing, where you have to, at some point, question which one is the actual VR world.
0: But as far as the show itself, I did enjoy it. Um, I would have liked to have seen where they went with it, and th- there's, there's like some things in there where, you know, you, you wonder like, is this a thing which is just going to be used here in this pilot or maybe continue for a few episodes? Or is this part of the show's overall premise? For example, the main character, the captain of the, of the ship.
1: Who now plays Jamie Lannister on Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm.
0: He dies in mm-hmm. this episode. Spoilers. And you Spoilers. you think you think like well you know that's that's weird you know because like the entire movie he's there he is he is the main character he dies the second in command takes over and it's not like a a thing with Voyager where you know people die at the beginning and it's quite obvious that we 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 know what the 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 premise of the show will be from here on out because the second half is the established crew in place and we see how all these relationships work it's not like uh you know the end of the uh Quester tapes where they say you know we will have many adventures together i can't wait for us to travel around the country and get Thursdays into exactly you know things like that 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 doesn't really happen here or maybe it does because in the very last scene you see, one of the characters go into the virtual reality world, and he, she comes across the captain as a VR character. The implication there may be that he is going to stick around. He is going to be part of the primary cast. It's just that instead of him being the captain of the ship, well, they've already he's introduced Virtual be,
1: Man, uh, yeah, who's and, also a recurring character. And but maybe, maybe he in will VR. be
0: he will be Virtual Man as well. So I don't know. I don't know if that would have happened or not. I, I'd be curious to see, and I'd also be curious to see how these mysteries do unfold because the mysteries are interesting. Um,
1: I think that's I think that's overly optimistic. I no, think maybe that,
0: maybe yeah. maybe not. Maybe Having, we've been burned, but
1: we've been we've seen behind the curtain. We know the process that, that that especially Ron Moore goes through.
0: And and you know, I mean, whether or not he has a plan from the beginning uh, is really kind of insignificant if he's going to be turning out work which is as good as Ballstar Galactica and Michael Taylor's stuff I think is is pretty good as well I thought the uh, the cast was very uh, good all of that stuff I thought was really cool the only thing that I thought was kind of weak was uh, Peter Berg's direction there was way too much handheld stuff it was way too chaotic lots of close ups with like super shaky camera show no, but this wasn't this I know. wasn't the the reality show yeah. portion. If it if it was built into the aesthetic I could forgive it, but um that's not what it was. This was something else. That was the only thing that that I I would take points off of for this. Aside from that, I I would have been into it. I definitely would have would have watched this show. One thing that that we've kind of touched on over the course of this series in which I think you can see a lot of here is the idea of more as he goes along making shows, collecting people who he likes and who he works well with, and bringing them on to work with him uh, on, on his, his next projects and sort of building his his team. You like, see, like Pokemon. Like, po- like Pokemon, sure. I don't know what that means. I've never seen that show, but whatever. <laughs> um, Michael Taylor, of course, we talked about, being a high up on the BSG staff, um, Clea Duvall who, who was, was on Carnival, of course. Um, Don Velasquez, who was actually a producer on all of the modern era treks, but uh, worked with him on both Next Generation and Deep Space Nine. She came on as a producer. Stephen McNutt, who was a, a director of photography on, on Battlestar Galactica. Michael O'Halloran, who was also an editor on Battlestar Galactica and, and worked on Voyager and Enterprise as well, although not with more, of course. Um, (laughs) he, he, uh, that, that, that one is interesting to me because the other people who you see involved with the show, the people who aren't, uh, more collaborators are Berg collaborators like, uh, Sarah Aubrey, who is Berg's producer. She was also an executive producer on this show. And I think it's interesting how you see kind of the fusion of, the Moore crew and the Berg crew. For example, the other editor on, on uh, virtuality was the guy who frequently works with Peter Berg. So anyway, um, any uh, final thoughts on
1: virtuality? There, there's, there's a lot of stuff that I will put up with as a viewer, but one thing I, I apparently am not willing to put up with with a lot of good humor is aimlessness. If uh, there's a show that everyone says is good, but it has no direction, that it's just going where the next good story is, to me, that's not really any different than any sort of soap opera on TV. And I'm not interested in, in watching something that is just entertaining or dramatic now. I'm looking for something that means something. I'm looking for something that has an impact that is, that is permanent, that is left after it's gone. And you don't really get to have that unless being gone is part of the, 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 the the rhythm that you're doing. Unless, you know, the, the end of the show, the, the death of the series is part of what you're running. You're probably not making anything particularly significant for when it's gone
0: yeah i see what you're saying and i don't necessarily agree with anything i just think that it's unfair to assume that a show uh, which only had one episode and did nothing but ask the questions that its premise would be asking to assume that it doesn't have a direction to assume that it doesn't uh know where it wants to go i think is is a bit unfair
1: well i think it could be but uh, i mean that's sort of the problem i mean he he cried wolf, and I'm not buying it anymore.
0: Well, I, I if for me, I, I I have absolute faith in Ron Moore, and I have absolute faith in Michael Taylor, or near absolute faith in Michael Taylor. And so, I would definitely give this show the benefit of the doubt. I was intrigued by the pilot, and I would continue watching. Uh, probably for at least a season before giving up on it.
1: I think that it would be a great thing if somebody watched Virtuality, thought, this is a cool idea for a show. I can totally tell where they're going with it. We should definitely make this show now that I've realized the cool mystery that they were hiding during this thing. Let's make that happen. Because that would be a much better starting point than we have got a bunch of mysteries and no reason for them. They're just... Weird.
0: Well, who's to know? Who's to say that that didn't happen? Who's to say they didn't tell the the network what the mysteries were? So it's been fun talking about virtuality today, but this is just one of the Trek topics we've been talking about on Trek FM this week. I guess it's not really a Trek topic. It's more of a
1: it's um it's it's topic. it's a Trek effeminate topic.
0: Here's a quick look at what you may have missed elsewhere on
1: the network. Previously on Trek.FM, The Orb. Looking for Parlock in all the wrong places.
0: Well, and you also get the feeling here that she's only, I mean, Worf really is only being rejected because she's not interested. It has nothing to do with whether or not Worf is Klingon enough or any of that. She's just not interested. She's interested in Quark.
1: Earl Grey. Romulans on TNG.
0: You know, it's this TV
1: trope of an actor playing their own descendant, or... Uh, you know, it doesn't make sense. Okay, fine. I, if you want to play. Right,
0: because put- Data never plays his grandfather or great-grandfather or own descendant, but, you know, it, it, that's a terrible storyline. Or Michael Doran. The Ready Room. Oh. Well, I think after what he went through with the Zindi, you know, you see he's become very jaded. He's very cynical about things, and it would be easy for him to stay in that place, and it would continue to grow, and he would become nothing like the person he was and and even lose sight of the person that he was and never be able to get back there
1: to the journey voyager's funniest moments
0: they're seeing sandrines for the first time and you see that pool shark guy who is such a chauvinist pig jerk who says something to the effect to of something like treat a lady like a tramp and a tramp like a lady it works every time and she says, <laughs> "Paris, did you program this guy?" And he's like, "Yeah. Why?" She said, "He's a pig, and so are you."
1: Commentary Trek stars.
0: I will star the Lectica. But with the, the new series, it, it really tried uh, to to delve much deeper into the social commentary. You know, in a lot of ways, I think it was an excellent portrayal of a post nine eleven world. And I think it touched on um, a lot of aspects of our society. Warp 5.
1: I'm not so sure that I can relate to the background as providing an explanation for her personal insecurities. I, I perhaps wondered if, if a part of that, I mean, it, you put her on, on earth in her element doing her teaching, working with, with languages in that safe environment. Yeah, I, I don't think she would have the same level of insecurity. Trek news and views. Barge of the Dead. So to actually get a character episode that doesn't just explore Balana but explores the Klingon mythos at the same time. I mean, that was two for one. Literary treks. David R. George <laughs> III, Revelation and Dust.
0: And it feels like
1: an evolution
0: for Starfleet as well in the way that they built a starbase. Well, I'm glad that came across because that was sort of one of the things that I was going for. You wanted it to be an evolution in Starfleet's construction to Mm Starbases. It should be something brand new. And because it's an important station, because it's in an important location, it it really needed to be, I thought, uh, a grand station.
1: And that's what else is happening on Trek.fm.
0: So check out these shows and get in on the daily Trek talk. You'll find them on iTunes, Stitcher, Tune in, Windows Phone, Xbox, Zoom, or you can stream and download files from the website. Just visit trek.fm/slash PED for podcast directory to get all the links. Well, that's about it for virtuality. Indeed. As always, you can find us on Twitter at ComTrackStars or email us at ComTrackStars at gmail.com. You can also uh, find our other series, Commentary Track Stars Off Topic, which we do with Brandon, over on CommentaryTrackStars.com.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And we will be back next week to recap.
1: Jamiroquai's Virtual Insanity.
0: No, we're going which to. Which would
1: have been a great theme song for virtuality.
0: That would have been cool, but no, we're going to be recapping Ronald D. Moore's career as a showrunner. Looking at all of his shows, from Roswell to Virtuality and beyond. Oh, we're gonna talk about his new show. We're gonna we're gonna touch. We should, on. We should talk about his new show. Yeah.
1: I don't know what the hell's going on with
0: that. <laughs> so tune in next week for that. It should be fun times.
1: It should be. But I it might not.
0: It might not. <laughs> Depending on uh, how pessimistic you are. Maybe. Depending
1: on whether or not it's I, a malfunction.
0: I think it's going to be a fun time. Max is skeptical. We shall see.
1: Yeah. I'm not sure where this is going.